Well, welcome to season three of Undefined with Josina Anderson. We are back and in effect. And if you notice, I'm actually at Media Row, Radio Row from Super Bowl 57 here in Phoenix, Arizona. So typically I would be doing this out of my studio, but we're going to do it on location. And of course, because it is the debut of season three, we wanted to have an extra special guest, LaMonica Garrett. Actor extraordinaire is joining us today. So we're going to be talking uh, to him. And there's a lot of interesting things that I know you guys didn't even know about him. So I'm really excited to talk to him. Uh, but before we get to that, I always want to let you know you can download my podcast wherever you get your pods or go to www.undefinedwithjocinaanderson.com and get it right there. But without further delay, let's bring in my guest, LaMonica Garrett. What's going on, LaMonica? Thank you for joining me. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, so where are you currently located right now? Right now, I'm in Spain, uh, Mallorca. And it's, uh, yeah, late, late night in Spain, Yeah, getting my work on. Yeah, and so you, I know we're going to be talking about your upcoming projects, your filming lioness there. I uh, pretty much have just been to the Caribbean. My folks are from Jamaica. I've been to Paris one time, not really any further. I don't like flying over water that long, LaMonica, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. my story. You and, you and me both. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. But listen, I want to talk about you. And one of the uh, good things about this show is that often people know that I talk a lot about football, but Undefined with Josie Anderson allows me to explore uh, people beyond the realms of uh, sports and what I do, although I know you have a deep sports connection as well. And we're definitely going to get to that. But uh, born in 1975 from San Francisco. So first and foremost, uh, I want you to just explain the uh, root and inspiration for your name for the people who do not know, because obviously the story is very interesting behind that. Yeah, my uh, my parents, they moved from Mississippi to San Francisco after Vietnam. Um, and back in the early 70s, Daryl LaMonica was the Tom Brady of that era. Like they, he was the biggest thing in the Bay. We were in San Francisco, but he was right across the water. And they were just, they, they love the name. So I came out, I think boy or girl, it was going to be LaMonica regardless. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was younger that kind of, you know, it, it toughened me up when I was, when I was coming up, but now I, I grew into it and I'm good with it. And, you know, having a unique name, I feel like even for me, I've never run into a lot of Josina as you think about who would Shaquille O'Neal be if he were Ben Johnson. You know, that's kind of a little bit of a common name. So I, I was wondering, yeah. the how does the uniqueness of your name, you know, when you think back to your adolescence, play into your, your self-esteem back then or even the pursuits that you went after because of who your name came from and just the uniqueness of it in general? Well, I I was all I always gravitated towards football. My dad was a big football guy. I just knew I was going to play football. My big brother played football. That was in the blood. Uh, my name being unique, it kind of I was a, a unique individual growing up. I you know I was a middle child, so I was a latchkey kid, kind of did my own thing. And it there's one thing I tell people about success. And it's something that I had, and I don't know if it was the name particularly, but it was something that you have to be, don't, don't be afraid to fail. Fall mm. flat on your face in front of people and 
my name always got picked on because of it. So it was one of those things where I didn't care if I did something and messed up because I've been getting mm -hmm. picked on my whole life. So I failed a lot in both professions that I went after and I was very successful in this one. You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to, to have pie on my face in front of a lot of people and that's important. Well, listen, you know, given the character that you played, and we'll get into that, Mike Ritter, which is where I first saw you in Designated Survivor. I have a hard time believing that with you playing uh, Secret Service and having all those muscles and everything. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. But I wanted to also just ask you, you mentioned that you played football. So I know that you played football in high school, uh, in JUCO, your linebacker. Um, obviously, you are, were at Central State University and participated in pro days and had workouts with the Lions and the Rams. So what I want you to tell me, because I, I, first of all, I thought that was so interesting. I didn't know any of that until I started researching for your interview. So when was that? And maybe if you could describe what were your hopes and dreams at that time? That was, it was 97. And mm. the year before I came out, Hugh Douglas came out of Central State. Mm. And he came, he went, you know, he was defensive rookie of the year. So our next pro day for the, the year I came out, we had Bill Belichick there when he was with the Jets. Marty Schottenheimer mm. was there, like Bobby Ross, like all these coaches were there trying to find the next Hugh Douglas. So we all got good looks. And a couple of guys made it to the NFL, didn't stick too long. But NFL, it, it's, it's a, you know, it's a rough, rough way to get in. Mm. So, and obviously, you know, it didn't materialize or come to fruition the way that you wanted to, but you were just talking about, um, you know, the theme of failure and how you're not afraid of it. And as you described having, you know, pie in your face, but, you know, still, I, and I, we could talk so much about even my experiences as well, but I want you to maybe paint a picture of the disappointment that you felt at that time and the level of pain that you experienced, because obviously this is something that, you know, was a dream of yours and a pursuit of yours at some point. Yeah. Your whole life from the time you're in peewees all the way up until you're in college and you, you know, you're, you want to make it to the pros. Mm. You, I grew up watching Jerry Rice, Joe Montana. I grew up right behind Candlestick Park in South city. And that was attainable to me. I could see those guys, you know, mm. it was like, I can be that because they're right in front of me. Mm. And acting was something that I wanted to do. I love television. I love my family gathering around. And that was like family time. Like I want to be the reason why families get together watching TV. And, you know, that was something, but I didn't know any actors. I didn't never seen any actors. I didn't, that was a whole nother world to me, but mm. football was attainable. And then you get older and you realize how small that window is at the percentage of, of college athletes that make it in the NFL. And it's even smaller than the people that stick around, you know, after two, three years or whatever. And it's that window right after college where you have my first agent in, um, in film, he asked me what's harder football or, or acting. Mm -hmm. And I said, football, because once you get that shot out of college, the window gets smaller and smaller each year after that for you to make it acting i can grow into different roles i could you know you could stay in class you could get good at your craft and you know the second half of your life you could have a whole career like samuel jackson did it um you know morgan freeman didn't pop until he was like in his late 40s or something wow. so you know it's it was a dream it hurt it was uh it was gut wrenching, but you got to pick yourself up and all right, what's the new um, you know, you got to make it work. 
So moved back to L.A. and, and, and took care of it. Well, for the record, I still think that's super cool. When I saw that about you, I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know he tried out for the Lions and the Rams and things like that. I mean, here I am wanting to talk to you about your acting career. And obviously, we're going to get into life. But the the fact that this just intersects and obviously we're at the Super Bowl. And I know you wanted your 49ers. <laughs> we're going yeah. to do that. They're not here. We're, we're going to talk about pain. We're, we're, we're going to definitely get into that aspect, too. But before we kind of move, I just want to keep on with the evolution of that I'm trying to kind of grow here. Um, I want you to kind of go a little bit deeper into how you think as a person, failure impacts you. Now, I know you said you're not afraid of it, but when you think back to that time and then how you transition to acting or however you ingest it, how do you think that failure itself impacts you? I think it affects different people differently. It, for me, it was, I'm not going to let this define me. So I'm going to, you know, whatever I choose next, and it was acting, I'm going to give it my all. I'm not going to have setbacks. I'm not going to, it's just how I take, I don't consider it failure. I consider it redirection, mm. you know, and it's like it, it, this was not my path in this life. So I was redirected over here. Mm -hmm. And as long as I stay at it, you don't fail. You might have, mm -hmm. you know, speed bumps, you might have roadblocks, you might have, you know, some adversity here or there, but if mm -hmm. you stay at it, you don't fail. Mm -hmm. You win. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to hear you say that because obviously even in my 20 year broadcast career, or, you know, I, I ran track at Carolina, obviously didn't go on to be, you know, whoever you want to say, Allison Felix or whoever, um, but when I think about how I ingest it, um, I, you know, it's almost somatic for me because I feel it in my gut. You know what I mean? And I feel I, I feel like I kind of carry this energy. And but at the same time, it propels me and it gives me this, you know, fire. But there are certain things that I can recall back, you know, even with my career. And I can if I if I put my brain on it it can still, it's still, it's still there. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah go ahead. Fresh. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's fresh. You feel it. You, you taste it. You know, you see it and you know that feeling. <laughs> and that, that's part of the, the thing that drives you. Like I've tasted yeah. that and I, yeah. you know, I've tasted the other side and then I know I'm not going back. So it's, it, it helps. It helps and you. you learn and from, they, they say yeah. failure, but you learn more from your, your adversities than you do from your, you know, your past on the back. Yeah. yeah. And so given that, you know, cause here you are pursuing your athletic feats and all that other stuff. So then what made you say, I want to explore acting because I have another question about that. That's also very interesting too, but go from there. Yeah. I knew I wanted to act. I just didn't, it wasn't attainable to me. Like I didn't know anyone. I didn't know how to go about it. Um, I moved to LA. I, you know, mm -hmm. you have to get a job, you have to work, you have to pay your bills, you have to pay rent. I got a job at FedEx and I was mm -hmm. a FedEx driver on the Warner brothers lot. Mm -hmm. So I'm oh. driving around. Everybody loves Raymond, the ER, Drew Carey, mm -hmm. friends, like all these shows, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood, Mal Paso productions, Joel Schumacher. And I had headshots in my car. Like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I just mm -hmm. know I'm going to be prepared when it does. And that was years ago. And it, you know, it seems like I took the long route, but it was the right route. And it was the only route that I could have taken because I'm here in Spain right now. 
Well, yes, in an amazing location. And I'm just wondering, as you mentioned, you know, working at FedEx, I know I used to be a trainer for four years before, you know, I went from local TV in uh, D.C. working for County Cable, not, you know, the affiliates at the time and training people in Washington Street and in, uh, in New York before getting to Fox in Denver. But I'm curious if there was a days when you were driving the FedEx truck where you thought the acting thing wasn't going to happen. Uh, I didn't think it wasn't going to happen. It's just things don't happen on your timeline that mm. you want it to happen. Mm. I knew it was going to happen someday, you know, but I just got to stick with it. First of all, I have to get in acting classes. I have to learn the craft. You know, you can't just show up and, you know, for some people that might work. But for me, you know, for me, it seems like it was always the uh, the, the tough route, the hard route. Like nothing was ever given to me. Mm. So I had to earn it. And mm. from football, that work ethic that I had, I didn't mind earning it. I knew, like, if I'm backing up somebody, if my number's called, and that's what happened at Central State, I get there, I'm, you know, I'm second string. Mm. You want to be first string, but the guy's there in front of you. The first game of the year, we were playing Morgan State in Ohio State in Buckeye Stadium. It was a, it was a classic. I forgot what classic it was, but it was the first game of the year. Mm-hmm. Starting linebacker goes down. My number's called. I led the league and ta- I led the team in tackles that year and got strong looks. Like I just, I know mm-hmm. when I'm ready, I'm ready. My number's called. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be the first one in the weight room. I'm going to be the last one out. I'm so, you know, it's. I didn't think it wasn't going to happen. I just didn't know when. Mm-hmm. And you know what is intriguing to me about what you guys do in the acting profession? Obviously, very simple, but the way you have to call on the emotions on key. And so, if someone were to ask me, "Hey, Joe, be on power," or something like that, and I had a crying scene, I, w- I would be struggling. Uh, do I have to go in a closet and try to make it happen? So, how do yeah. you go from these acting classes to being able to, you know, call on an emotion, you know, off off jump? Well, it, to me, it's the same as football. A lot of the similarities are the same. You win the game on Sunday from your preparation through the week. Mm. If you practice good, if you have a great practice week, you're going to mm. respond on Sunday. And acting, the roles, whether it's auditions, whether it's the job, and those are two completely separate things, but the preparation you put into it, leading into it, you'll just be able to respond and just listen, your scene partner, whoever it is, you just, you know, you get lost in their eyes and you, you feel the moment. And that's all through the preparation before you even get there. So the thing I wanted to know is as we were talking about just expressing yourself um, and having to call on emotions automatically is if you thought there was a cost to having to um, express yourself and just acting and going into a different character and and if that's draining um if, if that impacts you anyway i'm just curious because I, if I, I was thinking about myself and i'm like if i had to be someone else it's our life is already hard <laughs> so i'm like if i have to now be someone else yeah. and tap into emotions that i'm not even necessarily experiencing in my own life at that time you know do you feel like there's a cost to that to you I think there's different ways of uh, approaching the work and some actors mm. are method actors and mm. they, a lot of themselves, they put into it. They live the life. They like one of the greatest we have, Daniel Day-Lewis, he'll move out to the mm. woods for months before he starts shooting. 
mm. to learn that life and you know be away from his family and be away from everything he knows to to really know these characters and i think that's taxing on you as a person and just mentally i think that's it's you know it, it's tough it mm. the work looks great but it comes at a cost and i'm the other way i i you know rely on imagination like kids don't have this stuff to call on when they go method acting they just mm. imagine and mm. there's really wonderful kid actors and you know we can use that as adults we don't have to put ourselves through this um i i draw on imagination and a lot of homework uh ask a lot of questions and i do a lot of research mm. and that's what i've been that's what i've been relying on and so speaking of that, uh, do you, so you consider, is One Tree Hill your breakout role? I mean, that as far as, first, you know, the first role, role. Yeah. 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 Was, mm-hmm. yeah so what led to that? Into, I played a sport called slam ball. I'm not sure if you're familiar with slam ball. Yes, I read about it slam- because of you combining football and basketball and the trampolines. See? <laughs> yeah, it was some of the most fun I've ever had doing anything. And there was a, there was a, three episode arc of slam ball on one tree hill and they were going to audition guys and teach them how to play slam ball and i'm like no like this is why i moved out here let me audition for this and let me i can do this i auditioned for it i got the part and when i went down to wilmington to film i'm like this is why i'm here and Mm. slam ball was like it was some of the most fun i've ever had but it was a distraction it was it sidetracked me from the bigger picture so once I came back to LA from Wilmington, I told Slamball like, "Hey, I'm done." Uh, mm. I went from one night a week to three or four nights a week in acting classes, and I just doubled and tripled down, and it just, you know, it renewed the energy of why I'm here in the first place. And I love that God wink for you because you know it didn't work out for you as far as the NFL, but I like how the thread of something athletic still leading you into, you know, where you are. And that's, that's a nice little God wink for you in your life. So that's pretty cool. I want you to talk about the impact of designated survivor, because of course that's where now I became familiar with you. I, I came across it on Netflix and I, I feel like I watched the entire thing in two nights. I'm, I'm a binger like that <laughs> just when it comes to television though. And, um, and I was like, Oh, cool. This is, you know, I like how, you know, your character, you know, was proud. I like how your character was intelligent, um, responsive, um, you know, able to assimilate and adapt to different situations. But talk about the impact of now, you know, being able to participate in a role more frequently, um, you know, just impacted your career and your confidence. That was my... um... I would, I don't want to say breakout. I don't know if I've had my breakout role yet, but that Mm. was my welcome to Hollywood party where, you know, you had that, um, you're auditioning, you're auditioning, like you go through the guest star route, you do some co-stars, you know, you do your recurring roles. You, there's sort of a structure, but not really, but all these actors in LA, like pilot season comes around, you're looking to get a series regular. And that was my first series regular after years and years and years of testing. And that's pretty much letting people that want to give you a shot that just they're not sure about it because they don't know if you'll perform on the big stage. That's letting them know, like, hey, this guy can do it. This guy could go opposite Keeper Sutherland and hold his own and show up, be a professional, uh, work etiquette. Just all that goes into showing up to work each day and performing that kind of let them know I did it. I can do it. So 
you still have to audition. You still have to play the game. It's still a rough road, but that made life a whole lot easier life after designated survivor. And the role of Mike Ritter was a great role. It was, you know, he was this upstanding guy and I've been lucky in my career uh, playing these kind of guys, people hitting me up on social media saying, you know, how it was, it was great seeing a young black man in this type of role and, you know, secret service, um, you know, it meant something to me. And I go, we went to the White House. I met, I, I met some of the Secret Service guys there, you know, and they, oh. were, they were proud to have me representing them. You know, it was one of those kind of things. And you always want to, the people you're portraying is who it matters to the most for me as an actor, mm. especially when you're telling these stories. And these servicemen, I played a lot of servicemen, military, mm. um, you know, soldiers, Secret mm. Service, and you're doing it justice to them, you're you're doing something right. So yeah, designated that. was, it's always gonna hold a special, special spot in my heart. As it should. And speaking of special spot in your heart, um, along the way, obviously you got married and you had a child. Um, I believe your wife's name is Mina Ivanova. Did I say that right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. And, yes, Absolutely. and you had a child. So the one thing I wanted to ask you about that is, you know, as you kind of navigate that and obviously balancing your career, what would you say is an adjustment that you had to make within yourself to navigate what whatever you conceive to be the fantasy of marriage versus the reality of what marriage is? What did you have to adjust within yourself to balance those two spheres? Well, this business, I'm sure with a lot of other businesses where you're kind of, you're your own CEO, like how much work you put in is that what you get out of it. Mm. Uh, and especially acting, there's not really a structure. So there's a lot of selfishness involved mm. in this and you live on call and mm. you can make plans. I've missed so many graduations and birthdays and weddings and just having to put some of my selfishness for what I want most like mm. before we met my mm. goal was to be an actor mm. and make room for that for family mm. and mm. that's um that's mm. an ongoing it's not a struggle but that's an ongoing challenge for for a lot of you actors, navigate especially yeah. when you're yeah how do you navigate it and a lot of actors you know that aren't married to actresses or actors it's it's a little trickier you know there's pros and cons in both ways but yeah having to make room for family and it's funny when family when i got married and i had my first child um the work became less i didn't i let go of the handlebars a little bit with work and more work came from me taking a step back mm. you know i wasn't as ten and two as much I, you weren't More pressing on my son and family and my stepdaughter. I wasn't pressing. And then, you know, you act like you don't need it and they give it to you for free kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. I yeah. didn't, um, yeah, it just, the it law of attraction. Structure <laughs> Yeah, it's like the law of attraction, you know what I'm saying? You were in more of a state of gratitude and, you know, not pressing and contentment and your frequency change. And, you, you know, if you want to 
think about it that way, your wavelengths change and the universe responded differently. You know what I mean? Um, I'm also curious too, because you guys are an interracial couple, how, how you um, feel like that has had an impact with you just as far as society. What has been your experience or the one thing that comes to your mind about that? Uh, in California, I re we really don't experience it much. I've mm -hmm. been to different states um, and I, you know, I talk to buddies that are in different states and you think a lot has changed, but a lot, you know, it hasn't changed in some places. And my family is born and raised in Mississippi, you know, and mm -hmm. I would go summers in Mississippi. My parents would drop us off out there in the summer to stay with my grandmother, you know, my aunts, my, my cousins, uncles. And I would go whole summers without seeing white people. And mm. when you're a kid, you really don't know they're not around. You just know you're playing, you're, you're having fun with your cousins. And then after two or three months, you're like, wait a minute. You know, and, and in San Francisco, it was everything. Like all my neighbors were all different ethnicities. It was oh. the whole neighborhood was just, you know, we didn't know. So I think live, living where we live and growing up how I grew up, it hasn't really affected me. Um, that's the, you know, the best I could. Yeah, same. I'm sure there's places where it, it's, um, you know, it might still be frowned upon, but I, mm -hmm. I, I focus on what I can focus on. I control what I can control. And a lot of the other stuff is it's out of my control, how, you know, it may seem. So speaking of what you control, let's talk about your recent projects. Obviously, you mentioned you're out there in Mallorca, Spain, <laughs> you know, working on Lioness, which is upcoming, uh, your next project for Paramount Plus. So um, and I know you just recently did Terminal List with uh, uh, one of my kind of, you know, our friends. I, I met him um, and with one of the projects he did in Las Vegas, Antoine Fuqua. You know, he was a part of uh um, your project that you did with um, Terminal List on Amazon too, but just talks about you know some of your more recent projects that, and then obviously what you're working on now. I'm just coming off of Terminal List. Um, mm -hmm. They just signed on to do a prequel and part two, so that's exciting. Uh, we'll mm -hmm. see where I fit into that you know equation. Hopefully mm -hmm. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> right before that, I did. It, 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 you know, right after I filmed that, I did 1883. 1883 came out sooner. Mm -hmm. We were under the gun, so we got that done. And that was another project that was special to me, uh, playing a black cowboy, Buffalo soldier, representing mm -hmm. what that represents and what that means to a lot of people, a lot of black cowboys, uh, the history of black cowboys that's, you know, kind of been brushed aside. And it seems now that it's, it's, it has this renaissance that everything is black cowboy related. And it's 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 fun for me, like it's you know to be in the the middle of all that that's happening. Uh, and right now we're doing Lioness, and Lioness is also with Paramount Plus, also with Taylor mm -hmm. Sheridan. I'm playing a Marine Raider, uh, Special Forces, a part of a quick response team that's working with the CIA. And it's um, this cast is amazing. It's you know it's it's uh, Nicole Kidman, it's Zoe Saldana, Morgan Freeman signed on to do some work. Uh, Liza de Oliveira. We have a really good cast. Uh, Michael Kelly. It's gonna it's gonna be explosive when it comes out. Definitely cannot be at the Super Bowl without talking about your 49ers, as you mentioned off the top of this interview, that you are a big 49ers fan. So first of all, I, I got I gotta go I gotta go right into the jugular. 
with that and ask you, how are you doing with the fact that the Eagles are here and the 49ers are not? You know, that, that game, I wish, I wish injuries, it just, it, it, I would love to see that game played back with a healthy, even though it was our third string quarterback, but with a healthy Purdy. Soon as he got hurt, I'm like, why? We're that we're on our fourth quarterback this season in the NFC championship game. How does this happen to us? We went through three of them. But yeah, I once Purdy got hurt, I was, you know, we I saw I saw McCaffrey looking at, you know, changing helmets, maybe he was gonna run at quarterback. Uh, when Johnson got hurt, I'm like, this is a nightmare. Yeah. So I don't feel too bad about it. Like we just got thoroughly beaten with our best team. So mm-hmm. it, it has me looking forward to next year, but mm-hmm. it was just unfortunate. And he got hurt so early in the game and we kept it close. It was a seven, seven game, um, you know, after McCaffrey's touchdown and it just, you would only ask so much of your defense. You can't keep going three and out, three and out, three and out and expect your defense to not get gassed out, you know, Philadelphia's good. So I don't feel too bad. You know, it, it just, it sucks. So I'm curious what you think though, because a lot of people were talking, obviously Hassan Reddick got off in that game and people were talking about why that was particularly on the play that caused the injury to uh, Brock Purdy. And so do you have an issue uh, with the fact that I believe Kyle Shanahan was using a backup tight end on, uh, on Hassan? I'm looking at it now. We could all play Monday morning quarterback. And, you know, I'm sure little little things like that have happened countless times throughout the season. Mm. But right now, you know, it's there's a microscope on it. So, you know, we're all staring at that. But Shanahan's done right. He's done a lot of things right. I can't look at it right now and, and, you know, of course, him for that. That's and listen, yeah, there's there's other stuff in that game that bothered me. And I'm definitely not uh, yeah. trying to intimate that because I consider him a genius. I was in Denver for six years covering the Broncos and obviously uh, covered his father for many years. Um, but what I did want to ask you, you guys have a new defensive coordinator. D'Amico Ryans has moved on to, uh, you know, the Houston Texans. Steve Wilkes, after becoming uh, interim head coach for the Steve Panthers, Wilkes. yes, is now your D.C. So what do you think about that when you guys have been uh, historically promoting within at that at that position? Yeah, um, Steve Wilkes, I think he deserves to be a head coach somewhere, showing what mm-hmm. he did with the Panthers. You know, like he, this guy, he turned that team around. And mm-hmm. I know the division over there wasn't as strong, but they were one win away from making it to the playoffs when all was lost. They lost their best player. Uh, they lost their coach midseat. Like, it's, you know, uh-huh. he's, he's a great coach. And it can only help having another – person on the sideline that could be a head coach that should be a head coach during this this, this transition process so i'm happy steve wilkes got it so also now that obviously your 49ers are not here are you rooting for the chiefs or are you hating on eagles because of what happened in the nfc championship game or you know what what's your perspective there i mean you know i don't know are you rooting for the chiefs or you hating on eagles what what you doing well <laughs> Well, the Chiefs beat us a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl, so it's no love loss for them either. Like, I, but I'm a Patrick <laughs> Mahomes fan, um, and I like Jalen Hurts. It's not it's not hard to like Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes. They're both good dudes. Um, I kind of want Andy Reid to beat his old team. Mm. If we're like we're looking at different angles and what we're doing, 
Mm. Uh, I like both quarterbacks, but I I, I kind of want Andy Reid to beat the Eagles, not because of the Eagles beat us. They both beat us in big games. But, um, yeah, Andy Reid probably. But if Jalen Hurts and them win, good for him. Philly hasn't won it in a while. I just want to see a good game. Mm-hmm. And who do you want, lastly, to be your quarterback for the next season? Because, you know, Jimmy G is likely going to go. You got Trey Lance, but Brock Purdy yeah. stepped up. I don't know if you want Mr. Relevant or not. Who do you want to be your quarterback? I I really want to see what Trey's got. I mean, mm-hmm. this kid, he got hurt. It was unfit. And what, what happened with him, I love Purdy, what he did. I want there to be the greatest quarterback battling camp in the history of football. <laughs> and whoever comes out of that, that's who I want to lead us. But I really want to see what Trey's got because he's, you know, he hasn't played football in a while. He just needs reps. He needs mm-hmm. reps. I think he's going to be a stud, but it's a good problem to be, you know, it's it's problem on yeah. Champagne, you know, <laughs> what we have going on in camp coming next year. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, listen, I definitely appreciate you mentioning that and, uh, you know, for coming on my podcast, Undefined with Josina Anderson, uh, the debut uh, episode for season three. LaMonica Garrett joining us all the way from Mallorca, Spain, someplace I hope to be able to go when I can get over being over the ocean for more than two hours. (laughs) I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. This was fun, and I'm, I feel like I'm at the Super Bowl. I got to stay up till 1230 on Sunday night with an 8 a.m. call time. So I'll have about four hours sleep for work on Monday, but it's going to be worth it. It's the Super Bowl, so you got to do it. Of course, of course, of course. Well, LaMonica, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I was thinking as I'm here at Super Bowl 57, uh, live here in Phoenix, Arizona, about what my thoughts were going to be for Cup of Joe uh, this time around. And, um, you know, definitely uh, as I'm here, there's so many emotions that come when you're trying to finish the season um, after traveling all over the country and um, really going through this the gauntlet of games, much like players have to do as they uh, kind of dip in and dip out from city to city. Um, but one thing that kind of struck me, too, is that, you know, when I come to Super Bowl, you know, I always tend to have, you know, many things going on because I feel like you always get challenged when you're at your most tired and like when you're five yards from the tape and you're just trying to finish and end strong. And, you know, from a spiritual perspective, I feel like people out there know what I'm talking about because, you know, that's kind of when you have to really be mindful of anything that can come against you. And, you know, for those of us who are in the faith, they always talk about, you know, putting on the armor of God. And it's so easy when you're just ripping and running to forget to do, you know, the things that you need to do to center yourself spiritually and to kind of balance yourself, you know, as well. But, um, you know, as I'm kind of reminded here with a a few things that I've just experienced, you know, while being out here, I feel like one thing that happened is, especially last night, is God was just kind of reminding me, um, you know, though things may sprout up against you and though things may, um, you know, look bleak or come out of nowhere and sort of take the rug out of your feet or, you know, weapons, so to speak, get formed against you, Um, you know, to trust in his universal power that he can thread circumstances together, thread people together, 
to still show that despite uh, those machinations, uh, that he is weaving things to reflect, you know, the truth and the justice of a situation. And I know you guys don't know specifically what I'm talking about, but um, it's just something that I want to say based off of, you know, just how today went and, um, you know, based on certain things that transpired, I could have easily let my day derail yesterday and I could have easily not continued what I had already on my slate based on something that transpired. But I said, you know what, Joe, um, you know, I'm not going to let myself break down. I'm going to continue on with what I had scheduled to do, which was to take my other podcast and come to Radio Row, take my pictures and go out to media, uh, to the media dinner. And then today walk, you know, wake up rather and um, put up your put on your your outfit. You know, they always say red lipstick can turn around anything <laughs> and um, just go about instead about having a positive mindset of your day and let your work speak for yourself. Let your spirit speak for itself. And voila, you know, the day ended up going a lot better than I thought it was going to go. And even in the way that it went, um, I could see, I felt like I could see, I don't know, I felt like I could see God's hand in it, you know, and how he was working even while I was sleeping and, you know, thinking about things that were still beyond my control. So that was a nice wink from God and another reminder that even in the moment, you know, when you feel the force of opposition, let time do what it does. Anyways, that's been Cup of Joe with Josina Anderson. I hope you uh, pardon some of the background noise as I am here in Media Row and there's thousands of people here uh, doing their broadcasts and things like that. But, you know, I appreciate uh, everybody who listens to this and gives me the opportunity to just talk about things outside of football and also uh, express my different interests outside of that as well and share a piece of me. So with that, I'm looking forward to the next episode of Undefined with Josina Anderson. Just keep it locked wherever you get your pods for the next drop. I appreciate y'all. Have a good one.